This is Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. A window to the Latin universe. Stanford, 90.1 FM. Radio Atenea Americana. This is Atenea Americana. Bilingual house of culture. On the air and online. Radio Atenea Americana. Su casa de la cultura en la radio y online. Para la radio 90.1 KCSU Stanford. I am Isabel Juves. Isabel Juves. Bienvenidos a The San Francisco Symphonic Orchestra will celebrate this Saturday, November 4th, the Dia de los Muertos concert. This special event will commemorate the Mesoamerican holiday which honors the memory of loved ones who have passed away. The orchestra will perform a range of pieces that reflect the theme of this important holiday this year with a focus on Mayan traditions. Introducing new art and music with unique experience and old traditions. There will be a mixture of music from traditional Mexican folk songs to classical compositions that explore the theme of life and death. The Davis Hall lobby has been showcasing art and installations that are sometimes interactive experiences for the public related to this event during this whole month, and they will be there until next Tuesday, November the 7th. Our conversation today is with the longtime curator for this annual event, Marta Rodriguez Salazar. She is a singer, flute performer, a music educator, a choir conductor, and a community organizer. She has been in charge of curating this event since 2008, bringing every year a unique experience and exploring different aspects of Dia de los Muertos, traditions and history. Stay with us here in Atenea Americana to learn more about this event, about the San Franciscan's traditions related to it, and about the curator of the event. Remember that this and all our shows are at stanfordhispanicbroadcasting.org. And here we are today in Atenea Americana, and today we are having a live conversation with Marta Rodriguez Salazar, and she works for San Francisco Symphony Orchestra. And we're going to talk today about their shows and about her life and about what's going to happen this weekend uh, for Dia de los Muertos, which has been a long tradition of the San Francisco Symphonic Orchestra. So uh, welcome, Marta. Thank you for coming back to us. We were together at the show, I think, about six or seven years ago. We talked at that moment about uh, Dia de los Muertos. So how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm very pleased to be here talking about uh, what I would say a very meaningful and beautiful tradition in uh, Mexico and beyond uh, for the Dia de los Muertos. 
So you are the curator of this event and you have been a curator since 2008, but you are also a singer and a musician yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm a musician. I'm a flute player, singer, uh, educator mostly, and I'm uh, I conduct choirs as well. I'm in my main place where, where I teach is the Community Music Center in San Francisco. I've been there for 23 years, and it's been a wonderful uh, place for me to be able to explore the benefits of music and community. So for me, it was a, a, a definitely a, also a great way for me to also spread the culture through the symphony uh, with what I'm doing as well as, as my everyday job and pleasure, which is to you know create bridges and cultures, put cultures together. Great. How long have you been working and collaborating with the symphonic orchestra? Well, it's our 16th year of doing Dia de los Muertos. Um, back then, they wanted to create an, um, a celebration that was not happening anywhere else. So we're happy to announce that we were really like the first orchestra that started to like explore what else can we explore of Latin culture that hasn't done before, which was then they discovered that the Dia de los Muertos was, was something that was unexplored back then. Uh, so that's, since then I've been working there as a curator, which means I create the idea of each year uh, around the concert. So the San Francisco Symphony plays a concert more and more, we've been including more and more Latin American pieces or Spanish pieces in the, in the program. And then what happens is that we invite artists to do art installations, altars outside, and bringing live music and performances in the lobbies to then uh, be able to, you know, create a festivity. So that year you were doing uh, Oaxaca, a center idea of the Dia de los Muertos, and you were having Lila Downs and uh, other Oaxacan uh, guests. Uh, this year, read your theme is Mayan and Mayan culture. So, can you tell us a little bit about what you're planning to put together and how is Mayan and what is the difference between one and another? Well, yes, uh, different culture. I mean, Mexico is 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 a wonderfully rich country where depending on the region and then you you have different ways of being different beliefs i mean according to the pre-hispanic history of each one of the places right um and so the other los muertos is really celebrated throughout mesoamerica and it's rooted in syncretic mixture of uh, indigenous beliefs and catholic teachings like brought to america by the spaniards right so um what happened with the maya now, Maya culture really incorporates uh, like different regions. The region includes southwestern Mexico, Guatemala, Belize, part of El Salvador, and, and Honduras. We are thinking of the Maya culture as something that really the cosmovision included life and death as an everyday part of, of what they had to deal with. Um, and and they believe that the afterlife was viewed as a transition from world, one world to the other. For me, I, I've always been fascinated by the Maya culture. Um, and so that's why, you know, I was thinking, well, we haven't done Maya culture. Let's do this year. 
something like that. And so we have throughout the artwork and the hall, we are explaining how, for example, they believed in the afterlife. They believed that the water was sacred for them. They have the sinkholes or cenotes that they believe that if they went down, it, it was a place of worship for them. And if, if they go down, they will go to the underworld called Shibalba. Um, and then also the Milky Way was considered as well another entrance to Shibalba or the magical world. And um, so, you know, nature, the serpent feather, uh, sorry, the, the feather serpent <laughs> that for the Aztecs was called uh, Quetzalcoatl and for the Maya was Kukulkan. We also are having images throughout the lobbies as well of the Maya gods as well. Um, and also one important thing that I, uh, that we're doing is to put kites, the kites that are watermelon, they're called barriletes. And that was kind of like, and that is still a tradition in Guatemala. What they do is they, they fly enormous kites with images and it's the connection between this life and the spirit, the spirit life. Um, they have the tails, they put messages and it's a connection again between the living and the death. So you you also, in, in Levy Symphony Hall, there's a couple of barriletes, an enormous one, like almost 10 feet of diameter uh, hanging from the main staircase. Oh, that's very big. And who are the artists that you invited to collaborate with you in all the live interactive part in the hall? We have been collaborating with a, a an organization that's very rich in, in helping and promoting the Latin culture in, in the Bay Area, in Redwood cities particularly. It's, they're called the Casa Circulo Cultural, and they bring artwork for the, for the windows. Uh, they also bring a photo op. They bring all the performers dressed in Katrinas. Uh, in this case, they're gonna be a Maya. Maya Katrinas, we're gonna have a, a couple of processions, some of them with the ancient, um, um game of the the ball game in, of the maya um and also we have local artists that are doing installations uh fernando escartis we have uh, susan matthews and and also we have uh, victor savaya victor mario savaya who's a, a mexican artist living in the bay area and we also collaborate with uh, organizations such as um mua which is mujeres unidas y activas and they're bringing an indigenous altar from the MAM community, which is in Guatemala. And Mission Cultural Center as well, the Mexican Museum. I mean, they all come together and they join in the theme and they offer so such diverse but unifying concepts. And that there will be activities for people to do outside before the music starts inside the, the concert hall? Exactly. Uh, this Saturday, November 4th, what we have is a concert at 2, but before that, starting at 1230, we're going to have uh, outside in the street, we're going to having the marimba players from Guatemala and, and a procession outside in the street. But then at 1245, the doors open and we'll have uh, activities for the family, other than obviously the viewing of all the artwork and the ofrendas. Uh, we have activities such as uh, kite making, which we call barrilete, barrilete making, we have a screen printing, um, sugar skull decoration, as well as uh, coloring the image of this year, which is a beautiful image of a, a serpent coming out of water with a skull in its mouth. 
Great. And uh, who and what is going to be played uh, during the concert, per se? It's a, a mix of uh, Latin American music, uh, symphonic music, of course. Uh, the maestro Miguel Harth Bedoya, who's a Peruvian conductor, um, is bringing um, a concert of, uh, for example, we're going to have Noche de los Mayas. Of course, we're having two movements of, of that uh, symphonic piece. Uh, we're going to have as well uh, Clarissa Saad, who's a, a Portuguese uh, woman composer, uh, also a Q, uh, Chilean composer, Link, um, and uh, Marquez, Arturo Marquez. We're having uh, the Danzón Number no. Two, which is a famous, beautiful, beautiful piece. And then also, we've been accompanied by, a, I would say, a special artist from, she lives in Portland, she's Mexican. Her name is Edna Vasquez, and uh, she has a most absolutely beautiful and what can I say? Her presence is so emotionally com complete. You know, I mean, she's a guitar player, a songwriter. She actually uh, sings with Pink Martini, which is a Portland based uh, group. And she was a mariachi singer uh, in her youth and has done a lot of things for her songwriting. And, and she's going to sing a song in Maya, in Quiche, and, and also a couple of other of her original songs. So she's been accompanied by the symphony this year. And we're going to end up with a piece called Mosaico Mexicano by Arturo Rodriguez, Mexican composer. What inspired you to keep working on, on this every year and what makes it different every year? Well, what inspires me is, is the richness of, that I've myself as a Mexican woman been discovering of my own culture to start with or and learning from other cultures as well. The openness that the San Francisco Symphony has of building and opening doors to, to the Latino culture and also the community that comes over and enjoys it and loves it and makes it this, the celebration that it has it has been like it's a tradition there and for me i mean I'm, I'm a musician per se and and the fact of being a curator which is a creator in visual arts uh, was new back then for me but i I've, I've learned to know the ropes and and like to learn and get to know people i think i'm, I'm a, a people's person uh, i like to communicate i like to learn and and to also if I can, to give opportunities to people to, to present their art in a place that, I mean, it's not a museum and it's a, a place of a concert place where, you know, usually we have a lot of uh, obstacles and difficulties to put artwork over there, but that we all make it happen. So that inspires me a lot. Do you think you need to strike a balance between honoring the traditional aspects of the celebration with the evolving or it, like introducing anything more contemporary or, or something that reflects more the local and current community? Yes, definitely. I always, you know, bring a balance with between inviting people who are, you know, native from their culture that want to bring their culture to the, to the lobbies, as well as um, people who are doing more of a modern look, contemporary look, and also people who are not, not love Latin culture, but they're not Latinos themselves. I always want to invite 
a, a mix of people because that's how we, we come come up with something very authentic, very local as well. I mean, one we have done themes every year of different different places. This this year is very indigenous. Last year as well, we were doing the Wicholes, but we also have done immigration. We've also done uh, the influence of, of Mexican art in in the Bay Area. So it depends. It depends. I mean, we basically want to bring a message of joy, of celebration. I mean, very different from Halloween, where it's all scary. It's, it's um, and we are celebrating the death by bringing them close to us, to our hearts, back again, and also honoring life. Great. Uh, so, do you have you? had to rotate uh, for uh, the the themes over the years or you always have something new to try yeah we never repeated anything everything every time is different and i don't even know what we're gonna do i mean right now i'm already thinking of what to do next year <laughs> but i also trust trust life trust the relationships and and what's happening in the world right now of course there's a big mourning in, in throughout the world with what's going on uh, with war, with, you know, with immigration, with poverty, with injustices. So we try to put something in there, like, you know, like there's an interactive altar that we're having, like, please write a message. What do you want? What's your, what do you wish for? Um, so yeah, I'm very proud to say that. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel like, I mean, we brought, for example, one of the artists, Fernando Scartes, has an orchestra of skeletons. He uh, makes paper mache figures of each one of the orchestra members in, 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 with its total resemblance. Um, and if they, one person has uh, glasses or one person has a beard or you know what their hair looks like and with their instrument. So that piece, we do keep bringing it because obviously it's unique to the symphony. Um, but the rest of the art pieces are original and different. How do you think that the pandemic changed the celebration, if, if it did? Well, I guess that it brought people who were not in touch with, you know, the, the possibility of death in their lives, such as children, for example. Um, closer to the concept of, wow, I mean, well, yes, I mean, we're here for a little bit alive. And um, the, the celebration came back with lots of strength and force. We've had lots of people who feel that they understand the concept of the interrelation between life and death much more after the pandemic. And they're there as well to celebrate life with much, much more enjoyment as well. So it did change. It did change in a way that is much more profound. Thank you for listening to Atenea Americana, your house of culture in the radio and online. In this bilingual show, I bring you every week one hour in English and one hour in Spanish, opening a window to the cultural Hispanic world. You can hear in the intro and at the final of the show, as well as right now, music from the legend of Latin jazz, Oscar Hernandez. 
This and all my shows are in stanfordhispanicbroadcasting.org, where I wait for your comments. I invite you to be part of this. How is working with different teams and how do they come together? As you say, you have artists, you have community members, you have the orchestra, the musicians, uh, the people who is doing the craft and who the ones who are interactive with the community uh, during that day. Uh, how do you all work together and uh, how do you enjoy it? Yeah. Well, thankfully, I work with a fantastic team at the San Francisco Symphony. It's a uh, group of people who really love um, this celebration and they are the ones who are doing amazing things to put all the team together. Of course, there's a production team that without them, we will un be unable to figure out how to hang, for example, uh, an enormous barrilete out of the, down the main staircase, for example. Um, and then we have that, uh, all of the programming uh, staff that, that will come up with, like, who are we inviting this year? Which guest artists are we inviting? Like last year, we didn't have a guest artist per se. It was the San Francisco Symphony because we thought that after the pandemic, we wanted to um, have the symphony as, as the special presence on stage, not for, for people not to be expecting that every year we will have, you know, a star, a different artist. Um, myself, I mean, I work, I'm a, I'm a consultant. It's not that I'm part of the, the staff, but I'm a consultant. I do feel like at home there, really, um, because they have uh, always been very generous with their time and their willingness to make things happen. Like, whatever I come up with, uh, they are, like, always supportive. And then also, I mean, the supportiveness of working with Casa Circulo Cultural that's also a and a wonderful collaborator. And then when the artists come over, it's usually people that I might know or maybe not, but they have been also, I mean, I I like talking with people and I like to, to see if, if their beliefs, if, if their uh, professionalism also will align with what we're looking for because we have, you know, very strict deadlines, you know, particularly in a building such as David, Davis Symphony Hall, which actually it's part of the city. It's like the symphony people, I mean, that was a concept that also was hard for me to understand. I mean, the symphony rents the place. So we, there's a lot of regulations and guidelines that we need to follow that, uh, and, and timely deadlines as well. So the people that I end up working with fulfill that kind of like generosity, collaborative energy and the concept of uh, what we're looking, trying to look for. So it, it becomes a really beautiful mixture, you know, of personalities. I mean, not that always is, is, is that easy, right? I mean, you know, there's personalities and personalities. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, do you, um, so how does this kind of event fit with the whole uh, mission of the orchestra, the symphonic orchestra, and uh, the whole mission and the activities they do during the year? Well, they, they it definitely is one of the most, uh, what can I say, significant and meaningful 
uh, concerts that has to do with the collaboration. I mean, I think the pandemic brought it also not only to the audience, but to the San Francisco Symphony, a lot of uh, thoughts, like how, how close are we with our community, the community that surround us? How much of what the symphony is doing is appropriate in terms of, it, it makes sense for the people who attend to the symphony or who do we want to invite to the symphony? And this, the Dia de los Muertos is a concert where people who've never gone there before, for example, organizations such as MUA, Mujeres Unidas y Inactivas, Voces Maya as well, we are invited them to have a table there, work with um, particularly Maya culture. Um, people who have never come to the symphony and they are like, wow, first timers. And they're realizing, well, this is definitely a big, big, enormous, you know, golden cage, if I may say. Uh, I mean, I'm a classical musician. I understand that concept. A lot of people are afraid of like classical music there. It's not for me. It's not what I, you know, I was raised to be or it's very alien. And so with this um, festivity and this concert, what we do is we open doors by making things that Latino community that's first timers will come over because they want to share the culture. And also people who are not Latinos and they're also thinking, well, hmm, I don't know much about this culture. I mean, I'm a regular subscriber. I'm a patron of the symphony, but well, okay, let's go and see. Let's see what happens. And so they also learn. And I think that, that that's the mission that the symphony wants to have and the goal to this is uh, for years we call it a community concert nowadays we don't call it like that but it is i mean in a way i mean it's it's, it's the outreach the community outreach um, that the symphony is looking for great what other community work do you do you told us that you're also an educator and you work with the community in uh, different activities what, what are the things you do Yes, for the past 13 years, I've been um, conducting uh, older adult choirs uh, in different centers and senior centers and community centers in San Francisco. Um, and it's a program that started actually when one of the choirs that I started, Coro Solera, um, Solera being the name of uh, the process that a wine needs to go through to age and to taste and to have a taste that it's uh, delicious, right? I mean, that's called Solera. And um, eventually, I mean, the, the project grew. There was a, a study, a medical study that happened around our choirs that made it grow up to like now we have 14, 15 choirs all around the, the San Francisco. Um, that is meaningful for me. I also have a choir um, that we do Latin American and uh, Spanish early music, Baroque music and folk music. Um, and then also I go to, to schools. I go to un the Unified School District and uh, I'm part of the mariachi program. I teach uh, kids um, Latin American, I mean, especially Mexican music uh, with the mariachi program. And I also, as, as a performer, I, I do, I have a, a group together with my wife. We have a, the Bernal Hill Players. Uh, we, uh, we live in Bernal Heights. And then so we play music by uh, Latin American composers, also a mix, you know, American composers. We had a project for years called San Francisco in and about the city, as well as another one 
DFA, which is the Mexico City. Now it's not called Distrito Federal anymore, but Mexico City. We wanted to, uh, we commissioned pieces by Mexican composers and composers from the Bay Area to talk about their neighborhoods. Um, and so what we also want to do is uh, showcase the work of uh, women composers, um, uh, uh, composers of color as well. Um, so that is, a, that is an important, uh, what can I say, uh, activity for me. I mean, to be able to not only being an educator, uh, but also to be able to um, fulfill myself. I mean, you know, in, in, as an educator, that fulfills me a lot. But in terms of creativity and the output and the input I have with, within myself, I need to be um, fed by by creating something for myself. Wow, that's that's uh, wonderful. And you say that there was a medical study related with your choirs. Could you expand a little bit on that? Yes, I, of course. Um, I think it was back in 2008. Oh man, I, I might not even want to say the year because I don't even remember. Uh, but uh, a doctor who was uh, actually studying the benefits of choral singing wanted to create a medical study, um, which she did. I mean, she, she fundraised, she, she was able to uh, incorporate. And this study was uh, from the University of, of, of California. Um, and as I say, you know, she was, we created a manual that it was okay we want to be able to have a, an older adult community uh, that we will be able to like test and prove the benefits of psychological benefits um also mental benefits and physical benefits of choral singing so we created a program that had to do with okay we're going to have our students move clap uh you know do some exercising at the beginning of our sessions sing enjoy the community making of uh, being in a choir and the performing as well and then have another group that it was a control group where they were not doing anything and they wanted to like see the difference right so it was a five-year study um that was i think successful in the way that um it did obviously show the improvement uh, of how it helped with isolation with older adults um um, so yes, I mean, and then after that, you know, because we were doing all this with Community Music Center, doing collaborations with other centers, uh, we ended up with 12 choirs, you know, like, so the centers decided to keep funding them uh, because they saw the benefit. It was, it was very obvious of a benefit. And throughout the pandemic, it was also a, a trying time because for older adults who barely know how to have a phone, mobile phone, right? I mean, and we were taught, we were teaching them how to use Zoom um, and how to like create an, an opportunity for them and for us teachers as well to be in touch. And that made us grow. That made us grow definitely. And, and I would say that it's been a, a life-changing uh, project for me in terms of being in touch with uh, with an older community that, I mean, we're all going to end up there. I mean, if we were to keep living, of course, uh, it, that teaches me a lot. Great. And how do you see the difference between teaching the kids in the school district and teaching the seniors or conducting each of them? Well, it's a very different uh, uh, population, although <laughs> really at times it's just uh, 
similar in the way that at times older adults are very particular, like, oh, that's my seat. No, that's your seat. I mean, I should be sitting here. Well, that reminds me of the little kids, right? But no, I mean, the older adults bring uh, a different kind of enjoyment. Uh, it, it's it's an appreciation, like, of uh, what they are able to do at 70, 80, even 90 years old that they've never done in the past, which is singing. Um, and for the kids, it's, it's an awe. You know, it's an awe of like discovery. Uh, you know, both of them have a discovery factor, of course. But with kids, it's, I mean, they're, they're a sponge. They are like so willing to try um, that it, it's really like, and also for me, I mean, I've been thinking of uh, my role as an educator has been much more enriched by learning how to be a mentor for younger generations as well. Um, I probably say that throughout many, many years of, 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 of uh, teaching, I was also for many years uh, the coordinator of a good program that still is happening at the Community Music Center called the Mission District Young Musicians Program, with, which provides free musical education to young kids and particularly teaching them how to play Latin music. Um, and for, for me to be able to mentor kids back then and now as they grew older and some of them are music teachers and some of I work with some of them or, um, in different programs and that it's uh, such a meaningful, um, what can I say, meaningful thing for me that really makes me realize that the seeds that we put in life, I mean, you never know if they're going to be able to sprout or not, but for me, it is, it's been showing. Great. Will the people be able to see anything of what is going on inside the hall? As you say, after 1 or 1 p.m., uh, if they are not coming in the evening for the concert or is only for the console goers that are going to be looking what is inside the, the hallway? Yeah, I mean, the, the artwork has been at the, the lobbies for a month now. So any anyone who has a ticket to go to any of the concerts of the symphony throughout this month and until next Wednesday, which is November 7th, they are able to see the artwork. But in terms of the activities that are starting at 12.45, 12.30 on Saturday, um, and then the concert at 2, uh, that's the only time that they're going to be able to, to see that if they have a ticket. Oh, okay. Uh, so the concert is not in the evening, it's at 2? It's at two o'clock, indeed. In the evening, they have an, uh, another concert called uh, with a, a piece called Pictures of an Exhibition by Mussorgsky, which, by the way, there's an artwork exhibit also in part of a, not that they have the dead exhibit, but in part of in the lobbies, uh, where there's an uh, uh, exposition of different uh, paintings inspired by the movements of Mussorgsky's Pictures of an Exhibition. But yes, the concert for the Day of the Dead at the San Francisco Symphony is November 4th at 2 p.m. It's a, it runs an hour and a half, no intermission, and activities start at 12.30 outside at Davis Symphony Hall. And, and it's a really festive celebration. Great. Great. And you're expecting uh, tons of people from the community and from every side of the city. We are expecting that. I mean, it's been a, a sought-after event every year now. Um, the San Francisco Symphony also provides uh, tickets to their educational 
program and so I know that some of many of my students uh, from the Unified School District at times get tickets to go there with their families. Um, uh, but yes, we're expecting a full house and I know that uh, the symphony is still liberating tickets out there so if uh, your audience members want to come over uh, please go online, be perseverant even if they see that they might not be tickets, there will still be more if they, uh, if they persevere. Perfect. Well, thank you for, for being part of today's show and for uh, coming to Atenea Americana again. And we hope to have you in the future with more news about this or any other of your endeavors. Well, thank you so much. I, I so appreciate this opportunity. Sure. This was Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. Stanford 90.1 FM. Radio Atenea Americana. A window to the Latin universe. This is Radio Atenea Americana. Bilingual house of culture. On the air and online. Su casa de la cultura en la radio y online. Para Radio 90.1 KCSU Stanford. I am Isabel Juves. Isabel Juves. Vuelve pronto. From Stanford to the world. Remember to come back soon. Ciao. See you later.